0: The game gets out of sort when we don't play catch. People devalue playing catch these days. (laughs) And that's what the game's all about.
1: Hello and welcome to yet another Thursday evening edition of the Coach's Corner. Uh, Each and every Thursday, Baseball Blue Book, uh, we bring you college coaches from around the country at all different levels and divisions. And we simply talk about not only that university, their conference, but we get some perspective with regard to the coaching staff, their philosophies, and so forth. This week, I'm really excited because as a former Division Three coach, you, you come across a few high-level programs, and today's guest, uh, Bill Decker, was a, a coach back in the day, I believe, from the early 90s, 91 through 2011 uh, at Trinity within the NESCAT, which is an elite academic uh, conference here in the greater New England area. And these days he finds himself in Cambridge, Massachusetts uh, at the oldest institution in the country, Harvard University head coach, Bill Decker. Bill, thank you for joining us today.
0: Happy to be here, Walter. Thanks for having me.
1: Uh, Very, very. I'm really grateful. I know we're in season. I know uh, time is precious. And one of the topics that I would like to start with is, you know, we see a lot of these uh, colleges now that for a long time, we really do big academic institutions. I'm referring to schools like UVA, Duke, Stanford, uh, Vanderbilt. Uh, and, and now when parents start to think about college athletics, they're obviously looking uh, into the Ivy Leagues. I'm wondering if you can tell me a little bit about how the Ivy Leagues operate with regard to the scholarship topic, as well as recruiting when you begin your recruiting process at Harvard University.
0: Yeah, I'll just base it on my last decade here, Walter. Obviously, the landscape has changed a little bit. Um, You know, the Ivy League is a non-scholarship league. You know, it's all based on demonstrated need through the financial aid process, which is fine. Uh, I think what people will understand is that the financial aid and the grant is pretty overwhelming if you qualify. And in some respects uh, can outdo a scholarship school. Uh, But I think the landscape has changed. Uh, obviously uh, things are getting tighter and tighter. I think the last 10 years here, I think the league has gotten stronger and stronger. And if you look at what's happened, you know, the past four or five years, you know, just prior to COVID and, and then post COVID, I think what you're finding is, you know, some of the Ivy league schools when they do go against, you know, the power five types institutions, uh, not only are they competing at a high level, but they're being successful in some of those games. So. I think the bar within our league has
1: definitely risen. Well, I would have to agree with that. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that student athletes and their families are now recognizing um, that the power of trading that athletic ability for academic excellence. And obviously, you cannot do any better than the Ivy League uh, program. But I also want to tie that into your recruiting. You know, a lot of parents and student athletes get concerned there are eighth graders, ninth graders committing in college, and I'll get to that topic in a second. But with regard to the Ivy League, your are kind of your beginning to recruiting starts a little bit later, does it not?
0: Yeah, I think it's a little bit later, and I can only speak for our for, for you know for our program. We're, we're definitely moving a little bit earlier than we did, you know, back in that you know 2012-13 era when I first got here. But then again, I think each of the eight institutions within the Ivy league work at their own pace. Um, some may be able to go a little bit earlier, some may not, but, you know, for us, you know, with, with, with myself, uh, and I, and I tell this to to coach Stark and coach Cole and, you know, right now it's my son Kyle with us, you know, we're going to move on somebody when I feel comfortable that things are in place. And at the end of the road, you know, it's going to be a positive decision through the admissions process because it is a long, it's a long drawn out thing. Um, You know, coaches in the Ivy League do not accept students our admissions departments do. And there's got to be continued upward spiraling, you know, throughout the, you know, throughout the whole process. So it can be daunting. Um, If you don't know much about it, it can be a little bit overwhelming and complex. But I think once you take a deep breath and understand that there's reasons our conference does what it does, I think people are more comfortable.
1: You know, one of the uh, dynamics to your recruiting that I've always found fascinating, even back to your days at Trinity, and I explain this to to parents and families, you know, a lot of times when we talk college camps, and and obviously Harvard has their camps specifically, but do you as a staff still go out to other schools and watch other camps, things like the Head Start program or possibly schools on the West Coast? When we look at your roster breakdown, you see Texas, you see California. So it's a little bit bigger than just the greater Northeast or mid-Atlantic region.
0: Yeah, we, we do we do some of the outside, you know, two-day showcases still. I, I think it's a good partnership. I think it's a good way to, to see a lot of kids in a short period of time. Obviously, those things can be costly for the families, but nonetheless, it's just the time we're in. Uh, but for the show balls, the headfirsts, You know, we're still going to do the best we can uh, within those organizations. Um, But a lot of it's still down in Atlanta. Um, I was just talking to, you know, our athletic trainer yesterday. You know, we're already obviously planning our schedules. And I've got to go to the West Coast three times, you know, by the end, from the end of June to early August to different events and things, you know, and, and, and Coach Stark and Coach Cole. Texas, you know, into Florida, I mean, it's here's the thing I tell our guys, Walter, um, quality of life is really important. And there's so many things out there right now. Uh, I think we have to choose and pick and choose where we think we can, you know, get the fruits of our labor without overdoing it. Um, And again, you know, with all the things going on, not just in college baseball, but there's just so much out there and you can't be everywhere. and it's really not resource driven for us because I think Harvard has done a good job backing where we need to be, but we don't need to be all over the place. And, and one, of my, one of my goals when I came was to try to kind of stay a little bit more in New England or east of the Mississippi, um, but nonetheless, you know, based on the history of, of Harvard, uh, we are gonna draw kids, not just from all parts of the country, but from all walks of life
1: you know i always ask this question of every college coach you know what makes your university unique or you know when you're going out and recruiting now asking that you know being a new englander and 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 harvard to me is the is platinum it's the mercedes bandit the diamond uh it's it's you know when you say harvard heads turn but what is it that you feel makes harvard a unique opportunity when it comes to specifically baseball and recruiting uh, on a, on a nationwide basis,
0: well, you know, I, I, again, the baseball piece obviously is is, is extremely important to us, um, and, and that for me is is the first the first niche. Um, there's plenty of players out there that may qualify to get into Harvard, but but don't have that ability to play. I think for us, it's always been find a player first. Will investigate his background and and not just his playing ability, but try to get inside his skin, you know, try to get underneath the surface and see what that person and his family is all about, because that's the important thing. Uh, You want to get it right. And I've said this for many, many years. You know, the right player in our clubhouse is a good thing. The wrong one is not because he's going to beat you every day. Um, And that's not good for culture and what we're trying to do in terms of investing, you know, with our kids. But I think the thing for us. And I know many, many people think that Harvard is a destination school, which it is like like others. Um, but it's really complex. Uh, it's a really moving place. I think you need to stay on top of things. Um, you know, after my time here at Harvard, I don't think it needs to be, you know, 24 7, 365. You still need to live your life. Um, and it's much like other, you know, academic type institutions or not. You know, if you stay on top of your, your daily work and you know, understand what you need to do and, and plan out and manage your time. I think schools, whether they're private or public, I think there's a school for every, for everybody and you and you can do well. Um, I, I think short-term goals are important because a collective effort from short-term goals will lead to bigger things down the line. And as you know, Walter, in, in your time in, in baseball and beyond, it's, it's not just what's in front of you. It's having a little bit of vision for what's beyond and how you can get there.
1: I think what's really important about that is having a good understanding early as a high school student athlete about structure, routine, discipline. We use those words a lot as as coaches, but when we try to get families and student athletes to really understand, especially at a school of the caliber of Harvard, having that in your high school and transfer transferring that into college is going to help you. If you have a daily routine or, or structure. Is it, would you agree?
0: No question. I think
1: I'm, um, I'm, I'm very
0: much a routine driven person. And I also think I understand when you have to kind of step outside the box a little bit, you know, for whatever reason, and then get yourself back on target. And um, you know, I think the complex thing in the world today is, you know, everybody's trying to keep up with their neighbor, you know, keep up with the Joneses. And I think, I think families and people in general need to understand that, you know, what's your path, what's your journey. And it's something we talked about at breakfast today. Um, listen, we're off to a record wise. We're not off to a good start right now, but that's the path we're on. And if we keep on moving, you know, day in and day out and do the little things, you know, we're going to turn this thing around because we trust one another and we trust the, you know, the f- four coaches and, the you know, the, the 34 players in our locker room that, you know, we'll be fine. We just, you know, we're just on a different path right now. But I think families, families need to go and do what they want to do and understand, again, long-term goals. Listen, we all want to, we all want our kids to do whatever they can and be successful. Um, it's, it, the world has changed since, you know, you and I are a few years younger, Walter. And, uh, and it's also for, you know, for, I can only speak for myself, but, Trying to educate myself into our student athletes' lives too, because you know the, the the media and the phones and everything else is a little bit. I shouldn't even say a little bit; it's definitely foreign to me.
1: Well, it's foreign to me, and I and I when I speak with uh, you know high school programs parents, I always try to get them to understand. One of the wisest uh, quotes that was ever given to me when I was a high school student athlete was baseball ends education does not yeah. and you know so it's something that always resonated with me and that I I tried to, as a father to share uh, with my sons and then uh, subsequently as a college coach I tried to share I want to talk about that because obviously when we talk Ivy League some parents more importantly some student athletes get spooked oh that's too tough for me uh, how does Harvard specifically? work with whether it's an academic advisor a liaison with between academics and athletics and the balance of both
0: the number one difference between harvard and many many others institutions across the country is its infrastructure and the fact that we don't have traditional dorms uh, we have houses uh, on top of the freshman yard obviously the harvard yard where everybody lives the first year and all your residential deans, your proctors, and your tutors are actually in your living quarters. Now they're not that they're not there to to to, uh, to spoon feed you, but they're the bricks and mortars of what you do. And it's very difficult if you can get through the doors at Harvard. Uh, it's very difficult to fall out of place as long as you understand where your resources are and how you use them. And that's the same for the other 12 residential living quarters once you you move out of your freshman year and into your sophomore year. So your infrastructure's in the houses, all your tutors, deans, and whatever else. I think the other thing that we do is we have a a program called ARC, which is the Academic Resource Center. Uh, I know many of my colleagues uh, uh, in the athletic department use them. And not use them to actually tutor their student athletes, but act but bring them in to discuss their program and how they can help the kids, you know, their first year and beyond. And that's really no different than, um, any of the nutritional values that we bring in any of the diversity inclusion and belonging programs that are going on right now. I mean, we just continue that the drug and alcohol seminars that we have, we still need to continue to educate, um, you know, our our athletes and our student athletes in in what we're living in right now.
1: You know, one of the other interesting dynamics, when I look at your roster composition and I see some of those uh, West Coast, Southeast, uh, you know, student athletes coming into an Ivy League school, specifically Harvard in Cambridge, Massachusetts, how do you get them to kind of, you know, the, the, the pitchers from California, how do you get them to assimilate or Kind of fit in with this northeast weather because I get that question all the time. Geez, does it snow in New England? Oh yeah, but really, yeah. it's no different. It just you guys start your season maybe down south a little bit, uh, and then you kind of get into that uh, conference schedule uh, latter half of March and through uh, later April, early May. How how, do, how long right. does it take for a lot of these kids to kind of get used to the the New England yeah. weather?
0: Yeah, they get it. You know, they get a piece of it in the fall. Obviously, you know, we we've got some some decent weather in September and, you know, you can get an Indian summer too, right? You know, in right. October into early uh, early November, um, but that's part of it. And the other thing, and, and like you said, Walter is, I mean, we, we've we gone to Port Charlotte to Cambridge, from Cambridge back to Miami, from Miami back to Cambridge, and then back to Boca and from Boca yesterday to Texas. So we're on the road um, for the first, basically first month of the season into warmer climates. Um, and then, you know, once we get back, you know, it's going to be on the chillier side sometimes. Um, and obviously we have some wind factors at our place, but, um, it is what it is. And it's much like major league baseball. If you're any good, you're going to be playing in cold weather in New England. And, and God knows the story, you know, whether you're a Yankee or Red Sox fans, there's been a lot of, a uh, lot of November baseball played in late October, November.
1: Yeah, and, and I when I when I tell any athlete from any part of the country, if you do move up into the higher levels, regardless of whether it's college or, you know, uh professionally, et cetera, you're gonna experience uh low A ball, short A ball, you know, you're gonna be in a cold weather climate, so you gotta get used to that.
0: I, are-
1: I, joke, I, I joke
0: with my mom every time I talk to her, she's eighty seven years old and she says, How's it going? I said, I've been freezing my tail off for thirty eight years. I'll tell you that right now. So <laughs>
1: One of my favorite stories is Mass Maritime in uh, early March. And uh, oh, my goodness, the wind's coming off the water down there. That was just, uh, I think it was like 33 degrees, felt like 15 degrees, but we played a baseball game. That is how we do it in New England. Yeah. So with regard to Ivy League, what's a little unique is travel partners uh, with regard to your scheduling on weekends. And I was wondering if you – could talk about that a little bit as far as what makes that unique with regard to the Ivy league, because when you're traveling and playing doubleheaders, it is really incumbent upon you to have a really deep pitching staff. I would imagine. Yeah. And actually that's
0: gone away. Uh, Okay. We don't do that anymore right now. We're uh, like other division one programs. We're all in a three game series now. So the travel party has finally gone away. Uh, we're three nines on the weekend, and then for the first time, uh, there'll be a fourteen tournament at the end of the season this year. So, um, wow. baby steps, but nonetheless, um, definitely going in the right direction. Uh, and I think the biggest concern that I have, and I I can echo this for you know my colleagues in the league, is that we just want to see the expansion of our travel party. You know, everybody talks about a positive student life experience. And then some of these trips, you know, when we're limited to 24, you know, you got to leave kids home. And I don't think that's the right thing to do in this day and age, specifically, you know, when we're coming off, you know, again, you know, what happened in 20 and 21 with COVID, I think we need to bring these kids along with us. So I'm very hopeful that that will change in in the future and then in the near future too. And I'd be shocked if it didn't happen.
1: Do you foresee any changes within the Division One landscape that would create a a super division and a mid major division? Uh, and would you be in favor of that?
0: You know, you hear the whispers, and you know, much like you know college college football, um, I, I don't really think too much of it. You know, if it happens, it happens. I understand where we are. You know, we're and we're never going to be in a Power Five situation, and I think everybody at our place understands that doesn't mean we still can't compete every once in a while on a one day or or weekend series as we did last year at Miami and UCLA. But I just think the landscape of division one baseball is gonna change. I just don't know how, you know, um, again, they, they passed a waiver this year for increased scholarships, you know, for a year based on COVID and up to 40 on the roster. You know, and it's a trickle-down effect, as as everybody knows, with the recruiting process and the portal. Which, God for you know, God knows, we don't have to deal with it at our place, but it's. I think it's still a little bit messy, and I don't mean that in a in a derogatory way. But there's just still a lot of unknowns on both sides. You know, not just on the coaching side, but on student athletes that are you know committing and then decommitting because of the nils and everything else that's out there.
1: You, as a staff and as a conference, is the portal even an issue or a topic of discussion either at Harvard or Ivy League as a whole? I know it's not a topic of
0: conversation with our staff. Um, you know, the only thing we do is, you know, and we have a couple of guys that are still eligible for an- another year. So there's from Harvard to beyond, but there's nobody from beyond to Harvard. It's just very difficult. And I tell, you know, coaches and people and our staff does, if, if they can find their way through the door, then by golly, you know, we're all for it. But it's very difficult to transfer into our place as a, as a, uh, or get into our place as a transfer. And, and certainly too, you know, are, 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 are we going to support somebody that's going to be here for one year, as opposed to somebody that's going to be here for at least three years? Because yeah. that's the, that's the draft effect on the other side, if we get a good player.
1: Right. Do you find with regard to summer baseball, are you somewhat apprehensive if you're sending a guy out or is the allure and the, the power of Harvard, you know, an anchor, so to speak, to make sure that student athlete isn't like uh, running to a different program?
0: I think it's always going to be out there. Um,
1: But again, I think we've got, we've got
0: a pretty, pretty heavy anchor that, you know, there's a reason you, 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 you went through the likely letter process and you went through the process of admission here uh, to try to complete or get as close to completion of your four years as possible. Um, you know, we've had some kids like other Ivy leagues schools that have guys have left after the junior year, you know, and they have to come back and, and finish up their degree, which I'm, you know, I'm all fine for now, but um, you know, whatever is best interest of the kid with the group, I think is the best thing.
1: Well, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this question and I'm not sure if it's still pertinent at, at Harvard, you know, the whole A band, B band, is that still a, a topic at, at Harvard or Ivy League? In other words, if I am a really elite, athletic, right-handed pitcher uh, and I am uh 20 seven ACT. I'll throw that out there. You know, I'm not that elite 36 guy, but I'm not a, a scrub either. Uh, how does that play into your recruiting? Is that a guy you still follow and, and help and work with? Or is there a certain threshold that they have to meet before you can begin to engage fully with recruiting?
0: I'm not going to avoid the question. I just have to be careful how I answer it just due to some um, yep. some some rules. But um, I've never looked at the banning system since I've been here, because I think whether whether we're able to, you know, s- support somebody that's number six on our list or number seven on our list, you know, that guy still has to be a player. Right. Um, so I think that's changed. You know, the balancing thing. Um, I hear less and less about the AIs as opposed to is this the guy we want? Um, and I will say this, that my relationship with our admissions liaison has been very professional. It's been very to the point. Um, you know, when I came here back in the fall of, of 2012, uh, I kind of flipped the interview and I said, what do you want from me? And he said, I just want you to trust me. You know, and when I say no, that that's we just can't do this. But and that was very helpful for me. Um, but it's still the same thing. I think, Walter, and, and you and I know this at our age, it, it's not just the numbers. And I think I think nowadays it's it's, it's more than the numbers. It's if a, if a young person can get his fanny out of bed every day and put two feet on the floor and go every day and what he does in high school, you know, and how he engages not just in, 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 in structures of his courses, but, you know, the levels he's taking as he or she, you know, whatever um, goes through the grades. That's the most important thing, um, you know, scores are scores, you know, whether they're optional or not. I think schools are still going to look at them yes. in some way, shape or form. Um, but I think the biggest piece for me at Harvard is because there's so much at the top level. It's what's the separator? You know, what else are you doing with your life? Is it just sport, sport, sport? Do you have an interesting path in your life? Have you get engaged in leadership positions, whether it's in your school or beyond? Um, because everybody can look alike at some point. Um, and those are the factors that that we kind of try to dig into. Um, And again, if you get on somebody early and maybe there's not a huge body of work, you know, you can kind of say, hey, listen, let's get on this path. You know, let's try to reach out, get outside the box and start helping others.
1: Man, I'm so glad you brought that up. That is exactly what I was hoping that you would share with with families. It's it's more about what you're doing within your community leading by example, taking action steps. And what is the value? What is the Harvard education going to do for your future that you're going to make Harvard proud, but more importantly, you proud as a, as a future leader? And I, and I, this is really what we're all working towards as a college student, uh, you know, as a college coach with college students. So I'm glad you brought that up. My last question for you, Bill, and, and this is something that I try to make parents fully aware of, the value, and I know how you value Harvard camps, but can you just speak when parents say, "Should I take the the flight? Should I take the drive up to Harvard, whether it's in the fall or the winter, or the summer, mm-hmm. go to their camp? What do yep. you say to that?" We don't we don't mass mail our camp, Walter. Right. Um,
0: so anybody that reaches out to us, whether it's via email or otherwise obviously there's interest so we will send them our camp information if a coach reaches out we will send them our camp information if we see somebody on the road now on the other side that we want to bring to campus to put them in front of our whole staff we will send out camp information and then the third prong is i'll just put it on our website and say hey listen it's not it's not your formal invite because i think people are like what's going on here these are our camp dates if you're interested here here they are um listen there's some that don't have a lot of resources that want to do these things there's some that just want to have their son have a positive experience at a college camp uh, i do believe in the college camps but i also think people need to be mindful of the resources because um, if you're just going from camp to camp to camp to camp, you're never playing the game and you don't want to get fooled. OK, and I understand it and and uh, I understand the stopwatch, but now it's turned into the track man's and all this data and we're chasing data rather than chasing how we feel and playing the game. Not with everybody. And I don't I'm not trying to devalue all the analytical stuff, but I think if you get caught too too much into that, specifically at the college level, when we're not playing 162 games. I think we're on the wrong track there. So it's still seeing players, uh, seeing how they face adversity, seeing how they interact in dugouts, seeing how they treat mom and dad, you know, is, if mom's carrying the bag, I have a problem with that, <laughs> you know? Um, and I, I know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and I'm not saying that this is the right way. Um, we're, we have, um, we've definitely reduced the number of camps that we do now just because it's oversaturated um, we'll run a few and that's it Um, you know a couple in the winter time we did in our bubble and we'll probably just limit it to our early august camp and maybe one maybe one earlier Um, but we have to be on the road as well Um, you know so how you tie those things in together and how our staff can still You know try to enjoy a little bit of free time and family time and lifetime in the summer i I think is really important
1: well i am so glad that i was able to ask you those last two questions i you know i can't emphasize enough you know through uh social media platforms uh you know and all these videos that parents see that talk analytics they talk you know metrics and statistics and you know at the end of the day and i used to say this and 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 I lived this as a dad. I was told my son didn't throw hard enough, spin rate, yada, yada, yada. And I used to say, but yeah, oh, he can throw strikes and he competes and he loves the game. He'll steal bases he wants to hit. At the end of the day for a student athlete, it's how you play the game. Do you know how to play the game? How you compete and how much you enjoy being a teammate and understanding your role. That is college baseball. And I can tell you- That in New England, in California, in Texas, it's always going to matter. So I want to I'm digging for something. Walter.
0: I want to show you something. Um, And and I I can't agree with you more. You know, we got to play the game. Um, We posted this in our dugout. Obviously, again, we were struggling a little bit and we posted this in our dugout the other night. And it's basically don't wish it were easier. Wish you were better. You know, don't wish it was easier. Wish you were tougher. And, and that actually came, you know, from Old Miss who won the, won the division one um, championship last year, I believe. And, and that's, they got off on a similar journey where they, they weren't playing very well. And it was interesting to watch some of our kids when they read that, you know, and that's a, that's a, this is a really powerful statement. You, you know, it's not, it's not hard, you know, we just got to just keep on moving. Whatever happens is just pick yourself up and go. But these numbers that we're all dealing with, I think, sometimes get blown out of proportion.
1: Amen. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and so I, I get a kick out of it when people say, oh, you're old school, you're 60 years old. At the end of the day, the number one thing my high school coach used to always say to us at the end of a tough day, you have to look yourself in the mirror and you have to be able to say, I need to be better. Whether yeah. that's a better hitter, or a better base runner, or a better fielder, or whatever it means to you, tomorrow you have to be better. And at the when you're talking with parents and student athletes, and we're talking about showcases and camps and travel teams, be a better player. It, it's that simple. And work every day to be a better baseball player, a better teammate, and, and things will you know trend in the right direction. So, you, you know, know what they say.
0: You know what they say, right? Is yesterday's the past tomorrow's a mystery and today's a present and that's why it's a gift. And I think we need to leave. We need to live. Cause you never know, man.
1: Right. Oh man.
0: You, you and I, especially that. you and I are both 60. Now I know how old you are. <laughs> um, you got to keep on going. And, and, and I think that um, for as long as I'm going to continue to do this, I just want to pass along more so than I've ever done before. Just some little messages that are more life meaningful than they have anything to do with the game. Because the game gets out of sort when we don't play catch. And that's our problem right now. You know, people devalue playing catch these days. (laughs) And that's what the game's all about.
1: Now, it's funny you say that. I I literally just did a presentation to about 100 uh, student athletes and two high school coaches. And they kept asking about uh, exit velocity and all kinds of metrics. I said, I'm going to tell you the secret to being a, a top flight college baseball player and everybody kind of leaned in and i said your catch play how you receive how you catch and throw if you can field a baseball catch a baseball throw a baseball accurately you're going to be highly sought after and you're going to be an active participant if you take that lightly and you kind of nonchalantly play catch and you're reaching over here, you're reaching over there, you're playing chuck and duck and and that's a, a big smile on your face. Yep. You're not going to be a, a successful college baseball player. And everybody laughed, but I said, I'll tell you right now, when you are playing catch, if you're not focused on centering that ball, receiving that ball, transferring that ball, getting it onto your throwing foot quickly and getting it out of your glove quickly, but more importantly, accurately, you're, yep. you're focused on the wrong things.
0: Got it. I'm yeah. with
1: you. And, and so I want to say thank you to you, Bill. It's in season. I am absolutely honored that you took the time. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, for me to be able to catch up with you. And I look forward to watching and following Harvard. I go down and I know Maddie Hyde's around there a few times a year. Right. And I like going down to Cambridge uh, with the wife and watching some baseball games. But this time I'll make sure I stick around and say hello after the game.
0: Appreciate it. Right. Let me know if I can ever help.
1: Absolutely, Bill. And for all parents, I want to make sure you understand that every Thursday evening, we're talking with college coaches. We're talking about all topics related to youth baseball, high school baseball, and more importantly, college baseball. Until next week, enjoy your baseball season wherever you are. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Bye now.